Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis are both going to Iowa on the exact same day. That should make traffic. That should make traffic in Des Moines really fun. What's up? This is Marquez Saves the Republic. Man, there's so much going on today. I don't even know where to begin. Did we talk about Joe Biden making cracking jokes about himself, sort of, at the uh, White House Correspondents' Day dinner? Or do we talk about the um, the Mexican national who's been deported three times, who murdered five people, including an eight-year-old child, and is now on the run, um, and nobody can seem to find him or know where he is? Not not surprising at all. They They don't really know where all those Mexican immigrants are uh, that have walked into the country. Or we could talk about the bank failures. Man, I'll tell you what, between the open border causing deaths of uh, Americans and Hondurans and other people in this country, and between the bank failure, you know, look, I don't know whose rally is going to be bigger. I don't know who's going to win the caucus. I will say this. One of those two dudes, either Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis, has to win the presidency because this country can't take anymore. Uh, speaking of which, before we get to that, tonight, tomorrow night, by the way, we're one day away from me cracking open my all enemies foreign and domestic file. This is the file uh, I've discussed, you know, at length and I've, um, I've, you know, I've sent tons of emails about it if you're on our list. But this is the file of information I keep on all of our enemies foreign and domestic, the biggest threats to you and me and the rest of the Americans um, who tune into this show and live in this country and are just trying to live their life and pursue happiness and succeed and stay safe. Uh, I'm going to crack it open tomorrow night. There's going to be a, a, um, a video presentation that accompanies it so that you can see me walk through everything inside. And I'll explain to you what I feel are the biggest threats, what we really need to pay attention to, things that you may not be aware of, and how we remedy and fight back against everything. That is tomorrow night at 8 p.m. That's Tuesday, May the 2nd. If you want to get in on this, it's really easy. Go to enemiesreport.com right now. Enemiesreport.com. Uh, register for this thing. You're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be, it's going to be spectacular. All right. So, uh, let's talk timeline a little bit because you know, uh, okay, you know what? Let's talk first, before we get to timeline, let's talk about the white house correspondence day dinner. And I haven't pulled all the jokes yet because I can't figure out what's really a joke and what's true, but Joe Biden, you know, brought back this tradition that Donald Trump kind of squashed the white house correspondence day dinner. It's it's basically a, a way for everybody in the media, all the people that believe that they're they're better than us to get together in Washington, D.C. with the president, with, with a bunch of other politicians and make fun of each other and make fun of the rest of the country and pat each other on the back and celebrate their awesomeness. And uh, Joe and Donald Trump, he cut he cut ties with the White House Correspondents Day dinner, um, which kind of I mean, look, if the president doesn't show up. There's no point in ever having it. Then it just becomes a bunch of press people trying to impress each other. Uh, but what been Donald Trump's cut ties with it for a couple of reasons. Number one, he didn't like the press and the press didn't like him. They made fun of him every single day. They lied about him every single day. They joked about him every single day. So he didn't feel the need to take another night out of his night out of his very busy schedule saving the country to have them do it again. Also, traditionally, the president makes jokes about themselves and what is a self-deprecating manner. And I don't know if you know about this, but Donald Trump, he's not very self-deprecating. Donald Trump does not step up and say, you know, what's really funny about me or let me make a joke about my hair or, oh, Melania said this the other. That's not his style. He's very much he's very much a, a, a confident individual who doesn't feel the need to poke fun at himself. Also, probably doesn't feel like there's anything wrong with him. Uh, very hyper confident. So that's some, that's another reason. Mostly it's because he hated the press and they hated him. Um, but he said, look, I'm, I'm going to decline the invitation. I'm not going to do it. And for four years, he didn't go. And it was uh, it was a tradition that Joe Biden brought back because 
Joe Biden, the media, the Democrats, they're all kind of working together as one. There were some very funny jokes about Fox News and CNN. Uh, and like I said, I'll go through those here in just a minute and I'll bring them to you on the Mark K show. So if you want to learn more about the White House Correspondents Day dinner and hear J- Joe Biden joking about himself and his age and everything else, tune in at noon Eastern, 11 Central. Uh, we'll bring you all of that. But there's a couple of other things going on. First is back to Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, who now the timeline is this. This It's May the 1st. Uh, the, the 5th of May, which is not only Cinco de Mayo, is also the end of the Florida legislative session. And that is the day that Ron DeSantis has circled on his calendar in a big red, big red circle around it. This is the day that the session ends and I can then move forward um, in an effort to become the next president of the United States. Now, he was waiting for the end of this legislative session for a couple of reasons. Number one, he wanted to make sure people knew he was still focused on the state of Florida and doing the, the job of being governor that he was just reelected to do in November. And number two, there was this pesky law in Florida that said you can't run for president if you're governor. So if you declare that you're going to run for president, then you have to resign. And he said, all right, well, I don't want to do that because, again, he just became governor. So the legislation, uh, the legislators here in Florida changed the law. They did it just last week. Um, And now you don't. It was called the resign to run law, the resign to run law. If you want to run for president or really any other position, vice president, senator, whatever, you have to resign your position or you did as governor of the state of Florida. But they carved out in this legislative session a, um, a special addendum or an amendment that says if you're running for president and or vice president of the United States, you no longer have to resign to run. And those were the two reasons why Ron DeSantis was waiting for the legislative session to end, mostly the latter. But now he has permission. Now he can run for president and still be governor. And he's not breaking the law. And the legislation can't come down. He's going to be doing everything by the book. It's now legal for him to run for president. And that means that when they gavel themselves out on Friday night or Friday afternoon and they all go drink margaritas and tacos, because that's what we all do on Cinco de Mayo. After they do that, uh, Ron DeSantis kicks into full gear. And the, the, the belief is that it will be sometime either next week or the week after he will first, what do you call it? Um, he will first create an exploratory committee. That's the word I was looking for. And then shortly after that, he will, he will run for president. But it's not, he's not going to wait till June. I think he's, he knows that the momentum is not on his side. He knows that public opinion is not on his side. He knows that this war with Disney that he's in, embroiled in is not helping him. And he knows that Donald Trump is attacking him every single day and becoming more and more popular uh, while he's at it, there was also another story, and I don't believe it because, I mean, I, I don't believe it because it's just a stupid story, uh, but also I don't care. It's about British business owners. Apparently, Ron DeSantis went to Great Britain and met with some business chiefs, and they called him low wattage and horrendous. Uh, Republican presidential hopeful Ron, Ron DeSantis, this is from Politico, so again, there's another reason not to believe it, failed to impress British business chiefs at a high-profile London event Friday in a tired performance described variously as horrendous, low wattage, and like the end of an overseas trip. The Florida governor expected to launch his bid next month to talent, challenge Trump as the Republican nominee for president. Um, it was met with more than 50 representatives of major UK firms and business lobbying groups as part of a four country trade mission ending in London on Friday. So uh, I guess they didn't like that. They just probably didn't like that. He saved them for last 
And now they're lambasting him, but the Democrats are going to seize on that and they're going to start attacking him more and more. Uh, now, I talked this morning on WHIO in Dayton, Ohio. I was talking to Larry Hanskin. And basically, here's the deal with Ron DeSantis. And we've talked about this before. Donald Trump has a 62-point lead. Ron DeSantis is at like 16 or 17%. When he announces that he's running for president, he may go up in the polls. Um, he may draw some voters away from Nikki Haley. He may draw some voters away from Chris Christie. He may draw some voters away from Ravek. Uh, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, if he even has any, I don't even know that he does. Um, he's not going to draw any voters away from Donald Trump. The people that have decided on Donald Trump have decided on Donald Trump, knowing that Ron DeSantis would eventually be the nominee. Uh, they've decided on Donald Trump, knowing what Donald Trump brings to the table. And they've decided on Donald Trump, knowing um, that, you know, the, the, the past history, the attacks, the, the, uh, you know, the New York city, a attorney general coming or the DA rather coming after him, the New York state attorney general coming after him, Georgia, what's going on there and Washington DC. And in fact, the more that Donald Trump gets attacked, the more Republicans see through it, uh, the more they see the Democrats are behind it all. And the less they trust Joe Biden, who is, I mean, he's a mercenary. He's just weaponizing every single agency and he's working with Democrats on the state level to weaponize each and every, um, you know, attorney's general's office. And, and, you know, the IRS and everything else. Um, so the, it's, it's helping him. And Donald Trump um, sees this boost in his numbers, sees this boost in his popularity, and is thriving off of it. And he continues to plan these rallies. He went to New Hampshire, and now he's going to Iowa next month. And apparently, uh, the, um, the rally for Donald Trump in Iowa corresponds with a rally with Ron DeSantis also in Iowa. The two of them are going to be in the same town at the same time, doing the same thing, looking for the same money from the same supporters and the same support from the same voters. And it's going to make, it's going to be a very interesting day. It's going to make for a very interesting uh, competition and it's going to set up what we're going to see here for the next, for the next couple of uh, months, for sure, leading into the primary. Again, Donald Trump has all the momentum and Ron DeSantis does not. Uh, also in a head-to-head -head battle, it'll be interesting to see It'll be interesting to see who's going to win out, although I do have I do have some theories. Now, again, when you look at what's going on with the border and this guy who killed five people and this story, I'll be honest with you, I've been reading it and I've been trying to follow it. This guy is a is a Mexican migrant. His name is oh, what's his name? His name is Francisco Oropesa. And the way the story goes, he lived in Cleveland, Texas or right outside of Cleveland, Texas, and he had, he had an AR-15 which they always like to tell you what kind of, when it's an AR-15, the media always publishes that. They don't just say a rifle. They say an AR-15. So he had an AR-15. He was shooting it at his front lawn. And a lot of people read that and go, that's bizarre. It's not that bizarre in Texas. Because in Texas, front lawns are very long. Front lawns can be very, you know, it could be like an acre, two acres. Um, but in Texas, it's, it's, a little, it's a little different. For you should, someone shooting a gun in the front lawn isn't, you don't call the cops. That's all I'm saying. Um, but what happened was apparently the, the family next door, a large Honduran family, they had a baby, an infant, and the baby was trying to sleep. And this guy was shooting the gun like into the evening or the night and the baby was waking up, something like that. So it wasn't just that he was shooting a gun. He was keeping the baby awake. So I guess one of the family members goes, goes over and is like, Hey bro, could you not shoot that gun after the sun goes down? Or when the, the, you know, we have a baby that's trying to sleep. Could you maybe keep the shooting to the daylight hours? And so then this guy, Francisco Oropesa, gets really upset, walks over to the Honduras house and kills five people, including an eight-year-old, shoots him with that same gun, takes off. He's on the run. Now, again, 
I don't know the background. I don't know what's going on. I do know that according to Breitbart, this guy has been um, deported three times. He's been deported three times. San Jacinto County Sheriff Greg Capers told Breitbart, Texas on Sunday that U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement officers deported 38-year-old Francisco Oropesa, a Mexican national now wanted for five alleged murders in three separate incidents. Sheriff Capers and other sources advised that the last time ICE officers removed Oropesa was in 2016. So in 2016, he gets removed and he's back here now um, shooting people, okay? Now, I don't know when he crossed back into the country. I don't know when he got back into the country, but I will say this. When you deport somebody three times, and again, this is all, keep in mind, this is all during the uh, Obama administration. You know, this guy, the last time he was removed was in 2016, which was before Donald Trump got there. Okay, so this is all happening under the Democrats' watch. Three times they deported this guy. Three times he came back. Now, again, I don't know what happens with I don't know what happens with people who are deported. I've only known one or two people who were deported. I worked at an Italian restaurant in Chapel Hill and there was a dishwasher. Uh, his name was Juan. I mean, I'm just, they, uh, there, were a lot of, there were a lot of people named Juan that worked there. And one day Juan didn't show up for work. I was the manager and Juan didn't show up for work. And I called the boss. I go, hey, Juan's not here. And he goes, oh, I'll try calling his house. So I called his house and I go, donde esta Juan? And they're like, K. And then I'm like, donde esta Juan? And they go, A-N-A-S. And I go, Oh, INS? They're like, see, si, see, si, Mexico. So I called the boss back and I go, uh, something about INS in Mexico. And the boss is like, son of a gun, not again. So we hired somebody else to come. We called in a backup dishwasher and the guy came in. Well, like, I kid you not, like four months later, Juan walks into the back of uh, the restaurant and goes, buenos dias, can I have my job back? And I was like, oh my God, where have you been? He's like, ah, long story. So it took him four months, but he was able to get, get his way back to the restaurant and, uh, and get his job back. And then I realized, oh my gosh, we're employing illegal aliens here. We should probably, I'm probably, that's when I got into radio. Uh, but anyway, that was basically the story of Juan. So he left, he came back. Now, in addition to, you know, and I don't know what happened after that. I know people, you know, there's, there's, very little, there's a lot of recid, uh, recidivism. These people are like re- repeat offenders. But if somebody is a murderous thug willing to shoot somebody because they told them to be quiet, willing to shoot five people because they were uh, told they were told to be quiet, that sounds to me less like a dishwasher and more like a cartel guy. You know, when you're talking about body counts and sending messages and things like that and and mass murder, that definitely seems like a cartel thing. And the fact that this guy was able to get deported three times, come back into the country, was living here now because, I mean, Joe Biden, why not? Why wouldn't he be? Um, and was able to do what he did. I mean, that just goes, that, that to me screams cartel. That to me screams unhinged drug lord who has no respect for the law and order of the United States of America or any human life. And he's on the run. He could be running back to Mexico as we speak. Nobody knows because nobody tracks these individuals. Joe Biden has no plan for it. Obama had no plan for it. You know, Donald Trump, he built the wall. He stopped immigration. He kept him in Mexico. Immigration numbers dropped. And, and, and look, and it's bad enough that we have one of these guys here. It's bad enough that we have one Francisco Oropesa, but how many Francisco Oropesas are out there? How many of these unhinged cartel murderers are out there? And again, I don't know for a fact that this guy is a cartel guy, but you know, you don't shoot three to five people because they told you to be quiet unless you're a, uh, you know, unless you've got some kind of, unless you got some kind of anger issue. And I watch a lot of Breaking Bad. Those cartel guys get very angry. You know, Tuco snapped, boom, just like that. 
um, started killing people left, right, and center. So that's really, that's really, uh, you know, one of the dangers that we have with this border. And of course, the media is ignoring it because that's what the media does. They protect Joe Biden. They protect, in fact, um, in fact, you know what? I'm looking, I'm looking now. Let me look at the big stories. The big story, of course, today is the bank that, that failed. That's one of the big stories. And the other big story is Joe Biden at the White House Correspondents Day dinner. And the fact that a Mexican immigrant who's been deported three times murdered five people in Texas and is on the run doesn't seem to be of interest to a lot of the major news networks um, today, because again, it reflects badly on Joe Biden and Joe Biden's border policy. And Joe Biden, despite the fact that nobody wants him, no one in his own party wants him to, is running for president again. That means they've got to be in full protection mode. Uh, all right, listen, tomorrow we'll have more. All enemies, foreign and domestic, go to enemiesreport.com right now, enemiesreport.com, and register to be part of this. It happens tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Tuesday, May the 2nd, in my super secret online bunker. It's top secret. It's super secure. You, nobody, you can't get in without, you know, a secret password. And, um, and it's, you know, it's not Facebook. We're not putting this out there because this value, this information is too valuable and we don't want everyone to know what's going on. Um, so this is something that you have to be in my super secret top in my top secret, super secure online headquarters to be a part of. And again, you can get in there by going to, uh, enemiesreport.com. Don't forget, please share and like, and follow this podcast. We are growing by the way, every last week we, I, I read some of your reviews and I, you know, really urge you to share this and get the word out about Mark K saves the Republic. And we popped, man, we've been in the, we've been like a top 200 podcast for, for a while and we're and now we're moving up to become a top 100 podcast, which is our goal. Uh, being top 200 is good. Being top 100 would be better. And by sharing and liking and subscribing and downloading, you're helping us get to that goal. I will say this: a lot of people are creating a lot of podcasts every single day. The podcast industry is just—I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for the tide to turn. You know, it's like everybody wants to have a podcast now, and I'm like, you know, for those of us who really know what we're doing <laughs> and are trying to really. You know, we're trying to really make these things stick. It, it's a little annoying. But like I said, anything you can do to help, uh, listen, like, share this, um, it's huge. It's huge because we're really getting into the meat of it. We've really got a lot of threats and we've really got to work together, you, me, and everybody, to save the republic.